0: This is an Our Savior Evangelical Free Church podcast. To learn more, visit osefc.org. God, I p- I pray that as we reflect on the year past and look forward uh, to marking a new year in just a few days, that you would show us that your steadfast love has always been and will always be. I pray that you will help us now as we study your word, illuminate your truth to us for the sake of your great name and for our hope and encouragement in Christ, we pray. Amen. Well, if you have your Bible, open it to Lamentations chapter 3. Lamentations chapter 3 is where we're going to be this morning. Lamentations is a small book in the Old Testament just after the prophet Jeremiah. Now usually we're in the middle of a series, we're not this week, I just had a week to tell you anything that I wanted to tell you. And so um, typically we publish sermon titles and you get a little bit more like that. We didn't do anything like that this week, this week between Christmas and New Year's is usually a little bit more relaxed, so let me just tell you, we will be in Lamentations 3, 22 to 24, and I have entitled this sermon, Future Mercy. Future Mercy, Lamentations 3, 22 and 24. So let me just kind of set the stage for what I want to do. I am a verbal processor, and that's probably kind of an understatement. I'm a verbal thinker. Verbal processors sort of use, you know, the sound of their voice to work through problems. And I do that, but I just have this tendency to just narrate whatever is happening in my brain. And so as we've moved past Christmas... And we're starting to look at a new year. I have found myself reflecting quite a bit this last week on the strangest year of my life and just asking God to help shape my perspective on the year that is to come. And so this morning, I want to invite you into that a little bit. I just want to invite you into how I have been processing the year and how I'm asking God to speak to me and what I'm looking to God's word for in the year to come. And that's what we do. To to reflect as a Christian is actually a two-stage process. We We can let our own thoughts tumble around in our head. We can write them down. People more talented than me process by writing songs and poetry or painting things. But there's limitations to what happens in our own brains. For one thing, the scripture tells us that we can't always even trust our own feelings. And and for another thing, we often lack the power to change much around us. So as we reflect as Christians, as we ruminate a little bit on thoughts, we should also recognize that every Christian can inquire into the mind of God and where we want to see change, where we want to see transformation, we can ask an all-powerful God who delights in the prayers of his people when he comes to us to help us and to guide us. So that's the two-stage process of reflection for the Christian. It's not just thinking about ourselves. It's asking, what does God mean for me with this? It's asking, what does God's word say to this? In every Christian Has the chance to come to hear from God, to speak with Him directly. So, a little bit of this is what's on my heart, uh, but more importantly than that, it's how God speaks to us when we reflect on what has been and when we consider what's coming up. And my thoughts are of a little bit of value potentially, but what God thinks are far better than any of us might even comprehend. So let's go to the Lord. But first, let me just preview this little book for us. We have this book, Lamentations, five chapters in the Old Testament, uh, right after the prophet Jeremiah. It's there because Jeremiah wrote it as a sort of response, part of his processing to the events that he had just witnessed For decades prior to when the book of Lamentations was written, Jeremiah had predicted the fall of Jerusalem. And then in 587, after siege after siege by the Babylonians, it happened. Jerusalem, the great city of God, the city of David, was invaded. 587 BC, much of it was destroyed looted and burned, and many of its citizens were taken away into what's called exile in Babylon. There was a small remnant of people who remained in the city, and after this city's destruction, they were left to try to cobble together a a life, and they were grieving all the things about their home that had changed and they once new, but they were now different. So Lamentations is a five-chapter-long book, and each chapter is its own lament. A lament, literarily, is a type of a eulogy. These are five funeral poems for the city of Jerusalem. And now if that sounds depressing, it's because it is. It is a depressing book, but right in the middle of this book, we get to read, and what we're going to read this morning are some of the sweetest words in all of the Old Testament about the mercy and the goodness of God. One of the, you know, tens of thousands of great things about the Bible is that the Bible is so real. The Bible never promises that life will be easy. You won't find all the answers in the Bible. It doesn't say that Christians always have things go their way. But the Bible does tell us that God is good. And the message of this book, as one person put it, is life is hard and God is good. That's Lamentations. Life is hard and God is good. So let's go now. Read with me. Read along with me in your Bible. Lamentations 3, 22, 24. Just a few verses. There it says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. So based on, on those words, let me just tell you how I'm processing the year. But then again, more importantly, what God says, and, and even better still, what, what happens tomorrow. Talk about tomorrow. So I've gone in waves this year. Just is just a little bit in, into my thoughts. Like many of you, I, I have probably been... At better points and worse points, but I've ridden the waves this year. And as I look back, uh, even though it's been a really tough year, I am filled with an overwhelming sense of gratefulness to God. I mean, it has been a a tough year, but God's grace has been so abundant and apparent to me in the middle of it. Uh, I see that as our church has been able to worship weekly. Something we took for granted. And then in the spring, all of a sudden, it became a sweet mercy of God even to gather when we were only live streaming. Just think about this. It wasn't too long ago that we wouldn't have been able to offer that. There was no such thing as a live stream or anything beyond it. We'd have to have a television studio and a broadcast tower to get that to you but here we could do it with with just a few pieces of simple technology, most of which we already owned. I'm always trying to, to find more ways to concentrate on prayer, which does not come naturally to me. I have to labor in prayer. But as I reflect back on the spring, we had a prayer meeting every week that we couldn't worship together on Sundays. It's a great, great time that God gave us together. Another thing that I'm really grateful for is how well, it worshipped for, or how well it worked for us to be able to worship outside. Uh, was that ideal? No, of course not. That's why we built this building, because it makes a lot of other things possible that we wouldn't have been otherwise able to do without a building. But... Our parking lot worked remarkably well because it's not designed for worship services. It's designed for you to roll your car in, get out of it, and come in here, which are designed for worship services. But we made it work, and it worked better than I think anybody thought it would. I heard a lot of people say that they really appreciated those gatherings. Uh, personally, I have been really thankful to be a pastor this year. It has been an extraordinarily hard year to lead a church, but I wouldn't trade that for anything the past nine or ten months. And listen, our church has our issues. Don't pretend that we don't. but, but let me just tell you what I thank God for in, in our church. First, people who love him; second, people who love His word, and third, people who love each other. You wouldn't believe the stories. I've had friends tell me stories. You wouldn't believe the stories that are out there from pastors and churches. This pandemic, the politics of the pandemic, things like should we wear our masks or not, they have torn deep divides in churches and listen, I know that we don't all agree on those things. I know that. But I do know what is the most important thing for our church in this time, and that is our unity under Christ and our love for one another. As we ended the Equip series last week, we talked about some practical ways to use Scripture to help us interpret Scripture, And one of the key principles when you're using Scripture to interpret Scripture is reading clearer passages to help us with the more confusing passages. And here's what's clear. Loving other people often looks like, differ, like deferring from our preferences to those of others. And where we may have a place to claim our own rights, laying down those rights for the benefit of others is where the Bible always points Christians. You will not find a passage of Scripture that says, claim your rights as your own, even when it means trampling over the good of your brother or sister in Christ. It doesn't exist. And the chief place to look for that, the most critical place, the clearest place is to look for Jesus Christ, who is God and fleshed. And in order to be God in the flesh here on earth, he set aside certain privileges Well, on the cross, some of the people, think about this, some of the people that he created and that he sustained jeered at him and spit at him and said, why don't you rise up and help yourself? But instead of doing that, instead of getting angry and rising up, he bowed his head and died. So that if they repented, even of that sin even of the sin of mocking and spitting on God, they would be saved and they could spend eternity with him. Folks, I can't believe how many churches have been torn, ripped apart over this issue, this issue of the politics, this issue of the masks. I'm so grateful for our church that people just said, let's wear the mask because it's what benefits us all all. Praise the Lord. It's strange to see your faces this way, but I see in that love for one another. I see deference to one another. I see following Christ and laying down our own desires for the benefit of one another. Praise the Lord. It's a sweet, sweet sight. God has been so good to us this past year, but that is the year past. What about tomorrow, next week, and, and in the years to come? So what about, so that, that those are all past mercies. What about the future? That's why I wanted to read Lamentations 3. In the middle of these five laments, really almost smack dab in the middle of these five laments, As he stands in the broken city of Jerusalem among this distraught people, Jeremiah says there is more mercy from God to come. More mercy from God to come. He actually says every day God gives a fresh outpouring of grace. So look at this again. I want to read it. And I'm going to point out four, four things. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Then he says, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. So we've got kids with us. I want to wrap quickly. Here are four rapid fire thoughts that come to my mind when I read these verses. Just four things really quick. Rapid fire succession. Number one. The defining attribute of God is steadfast love. This is his defining attribute. Take a place like Psalm 85 4. Restore us again, O God of our salvation, and put away your indignation toward us. The anger of the Lord, his wrath against sin, is real. But it is possible for him to put that away. He can put away his indignation. He can put away his anger. At the end of time, though, when Christ comes again in the new heaven and the new earth, there will be no more death because God will no longer need to take vengeance against sin. But the love of God remains forever. God never puts away his love toward people. That's what heaven is. It is the total fulfillment of God's love. And so if you want to know what God is like, people say, well, who is this God? What is God like? The only way you can truly answer that question is to say that he is pure love that never ends. His defining attribute is steadfast love. It's what makes him who he is. Number two. Second thing, God is always ready to forgive. Second part of verse 22, his mercies never come to an end. There will not come a day or a time or an action, an act that you do where God will say, that's it. I've had enough. I'm done with you. That will never, ever happen. In Matthew 18, Jesus tells his followers, that they should be extra graceful because God is eternally graceful. When you repent of your sin in the name of Jesus, God will always be merciful to you. If you wonder, well, how is that so? It's because his mercy has no end. Third, we don't have to wait for the grace of God. We don't have to wait for the grace of God. When this says that the, the mercy of God is new every morning, it doesn't mean that you have a daily allotment of grace, and then you have to wait for another morning for your grace account to be refreshed. It means as quickly as the days seem to go. Not while you're in the midst of them. Days can seem long when you're in the midst of them, but look back at your life. The days, the weeks, the months, the years, they go so fast. It's like when you look back, you barely remember any individual days. Sure, maybe the big ones, the birth of your kids or special holidays or a wedding day or something like that. You hardly remember any specific days. It doesn't mean you have to wait for tomorrow for grace from God, it means that as quickly as the days seem to come and go, so is the Lord's grace refreshed for his people. In other words, it's always being renewed. We don't have to wait for 2021 or for any other arbitrary marker to experience fresh grace from God. Today, At noon today, four o'clock in the afternoon today, this evening as you lay your head down to sleep, God's grace will be fresh for you and it will be new. And it will be yours. And then you wake up tomorrow morning and it will be new again. Praise the Lord. Number four. God is the only one worth putting our hope in. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in him. There are many things that the world around us tell us we should try to put our hope in. Try to put your hope in your savings account. Try to put your hope in your kids being better people than you are, having more success in life than you are. Try to put your hope in somebody else that you think can fulfill all your dreams and fantasies. Try to put your hope in if I could just have this next thing, this next job, this next opportunity. But eventually those things will disappoint. Isaiah 54.10 says, For the mountains may depart and the hills be removed, but here it comes again, but the steadfast love my, but, sorry, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you, and my covenant of peace shall not be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. God is the only being in all the universe who is worth putting our hope in and who can give us more and more and more of himself every day until we die And then he gives us all of himself. You can try to put your hope in so many other things, but eventually they'll all come up short. God will always be more than enough for you. And so this brings me to the last thing that I want to say, which is, what about tomorrow? For the person who has recognized the holiness of God, testifies to his goodness, who admits that they themselves, not just the human race, not just people around them, not just them along with other people, but they themselves are sinful and have violated the holiness of God and who trust in Jesus Christ with faith, repenting of their sin and trusting in him for salvation. The grace of God is never ending. That's what it means to say the Lord is my portion, to say I'm getting all I need in Him. God's faithfulness, steadfast love will never end. So that's how I'm processing the year. And that's what I'm expecting going forward. And it's sure to be given because the, Lord, the word of the Lord never passes away. I imagine that there are people who come into this room from all sorts of places this morning. Just had sweet time, maybe with family for Christmas. Maybe this time reminds you of what has been lost. Maybe you had a lot of expectations and some of them, a lot of them weren't realized. Maybe you're hoping that This year gives way to a much better one. Wherever you're coming from, you can come to God. He's big enough to handle whatever you bring to him. So if you are praising God, feeling like you're in a great spot, come to him and praise his name and thank him that his mercy never ends. And if you're coming to him, from a place of loss and devastation, anger, sorrow, grief, uncertainty, whatever it is. Come to him and and say, Lord, I, I need you to be this all, my portion to me. And I need to know that your mercy's new this morning, today, this afternoon. And for all that, and for everybody in between, God will do it. God will do it. So let's hope in him. Let's open him today. Let's open him tomorrow. He's worthy of all of it. He's so good. God, I thank you for this church. I love these people. I love being their pastor. As we sing of your faithfulness, as we remark of your goodness, may we know that your mercy is fresh every day. Our Savior is a congregation located in Wheeling, Illinois. Our vision can be summed up in four words, building community, bringing Christ. To learn more about this vision and our hope for our neighborhood, visit us online at osefc.org.